Let's continue in worship by taking our Bible this morning and turning to the fourth chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. I want to say a special word of welcome to Brandon Hall. Brandon, it's good to have you back with us. Brandon has been in China for the last, how long? Year over there teaching in English, uh, teaching music. And uh, anyway, we're glad to have you back among us and uh, welcome him home. I also want to share with you tonight at 7 o'clock, there's going to be a gathering downtown Tuscaloosa for prayer for our community. It's a gathering to pray for the peace and unity of our city. As Pastor Colby has mentioned, these are turbulent times, and we need to be praying. We encourage our life groups, uh, if you can finish up early or start early, to come. I know some have already announced they're going to do that, but it'll be at 7 o'clock at the uh, Government Plaza downtown. And if it rains, it'll be at Bethel Baptist Church on 25th Street, I believe. So uh, if you can at all, uh, if it's possible at all, join us tonight for that special time of prayer downtown. And again, God is, is sovereign in his leading and working in our life. And we've been going through the One Another series for the last few weeks. And, and uh, this morning, we want to talk about God's command to bear with one another. In spite of our differences, in spite of our uh, cultural differences, anything that might bring division that calls us to be in opposition to one another, the Bible says that we are to patiently bear with one another. So this morning, as we turn our attention to God's word, let's look at Ephesians 4. Paul says there, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for the call to on our life to bear with one another. Lord, because there is one body, there's one spirit, one Lord, one God, we are all a part of your family. Father, we, as the scripture has said, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that we may proclaim your excellencies so, Lord, we pray this morning for unity and oneness in this body here. We pray, Father, for the grace and peace and patience and humility and gentleness to bear with one another when we disagree, when we don't see eye to eye, when we annoy one another. Father, I pray that you would give us again the grace this morning to do that for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's interesting that I, as I read the passage and studying this week, uh, the word call just jumped out at me. If you notice that, Paul says there, we walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. We kind of get the idea that God has a special purpose for us, that he has called us. He has called us specifically in this passage to unity. And he reminds us of that. But he's also has called us to bear with one another and to bear with one another. And that's not always easy, is it? The poet said to dwell above with saints we love. Oh, that will be glory. 
But to live below with saints we know, now that's another story. <laughs> you know, it's easy to talk in theory and, and all the things about how we should get along. But when we go home, maybe to a husband or wife or child, son or daughter, maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe tomorrow you'll go to work with a coworker or a boss or employee that you have a hard time getting along with, that you have a hard time bearing with them. The scripture calls us today to bear with one another. The Lord knows how hard it is for people to get along. As a matter of fact, if we began this series, again, it's been exciting to me and, and Colby and I have been talking about this, how much we've learned, how important it is for us to relate to one another in a biblical way, to accept one another, to have fellowship with one another, to love one another. Last week, we talked about bearing one another's burdens, that we cannot do this by ourselves. This is the church. This is who we are. And the way we respond to each other is a reflection to the world of the gospel. Again, as we said in my prayer, remember, we're not just any people. We're the people of God, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And so this morning, we want to look at the book of Ephesians. Let me just kind of give you a little backdrop. Ephesians is one of my favorite books. We preached the Ephesians several years ago at, at Open Door. It's been called the heavenly epistle because Paul reminds us of who we are in Christ. Paul says that, that we as Christians, in chapter 2, verse 6, that we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Isn't that amazing? The heavenly epistle. This is who we are in Christ. I, I, I love the Chinese um, pastor. His name is Watchman Nee. And he's written a book about Ephesians. And the title of his book is simply this, Sit, Walk, Stand. And he outlines the six chapters of Ephesians. The first two chapters are about sitting, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have to, before we can walk, we have to sit. Did you know that, that you as a believer today have been seated with Christ in heavenly places? And so the first two chapters talk about how we are seated. We seated by faith how God sees us. The second chapters, next two chapters talk about how we walk in our faith, how we live out the gospel. We live out our Christian faith before men. And then chapters five and six talk about how we stand, primarily chapter six, how we stand in the gospel. Sit, walk, stand. I, I like that outline. I read another one to this, this week that was very helpful to me and will be helpful to us this morning. Another writer says the first three chapters of Ephesians deal with how God sees us in Christ. How God sees us in Christ. In other words, our position in Christ by faith. And then the writer says the last three chapters, four through six, deal with how the world sees Christ in us. Don't you like that? How God sees us in Christ. And then the last few chapters, how the world sees Christ in us. The world will see Christ in us by the way we relate to one another, how we bear with one another. Again, Ephesians is called the heavenly epistle and rightly so. In chapter one, it says how blessed we are with every, how blessed we are with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Chapter two, we're fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. And to, to kind of give us a springboard for what we're talking about this morning, look at the end of chapter three. If you have your Bible, great. If not, we were going to put it on the screen. 
But chapter 3, verse 14, verses 14 through 21, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you get that? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In verse 20, a benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hey, that's just the end of chapter three. <laughs> that, that sounds like a great send off, doesn't it? Man, we ought to just take on hell with a water pistol. We ought to be ascending into heaven. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We know the fullness of God, that the strength, that we would know the height and breadth and depth of his love and all these heavenly things are ours. You know, if we're not sending off to heaven, at least we ought to go walking through the earth as kings and queens and, boy, we're with our chests all bowed up. That's who we are in Christ. But look at chapter four, verse one. Now, he says, bear with one another. <laughs> we're called to a life, because of who we are in Christ, we're called to a life of bearing one another in humility, gentleness, patience, or long-suffering. I like that word, long-suffering. Long-suffering or patience. This is who we're called to be. We're seated in heavenly places, but we're not there yet. <laughs> Let me tell you, we are heavenly people who must patiently deal with one another on a daily basis. Can I say that again? This is who we are in Christ. This is how God sees us in Christ. We are heavenly people who must patiently deal with one another on a daily basis. We don't always do that, do we? Patiently, with gentleness. I like what one little girl prayed. She said, Lord, make the bad people good and the good people nice. <laughs> you know, that's good. All good people aren't nice. Sometimes we're just ugly. Sometimes we're mean and short with the people that we should love the most. Again, a neighbor, a coworker, people that God brings into our life. I am thoroughly convinced that God, if you're a true believer in Christ, that God will bring into your life at some point and many points, someone who's hard to love, someone who is going to be annoying, someone who's going to rub you the wrong way so that you and I can perfect this discipline, this command of bearing with one another. Some of you say, I'm married to him. <laughs> no, maybe not, but it may be someone in your family. Let's look at a couple of things. Number one, we're called to patiently bear with one another. Now, what does it mean to bear with one another? Well, first of all, it does not mean that we just tolerate or endure one another. 
It does not mean that we simply ignore the other person's faults or pretend that everything's fine and we just kind of out of mind, out of body kind of deal. That's not bearing with one another. What does it mean? It means that we're willing to love others patiently in spite of their faults and in spite of our differences. It means that we are long-suffering or patient with them in genuine love. We're going to see in just a minute. That's the kicker right there. Not just to endure, but to do it with love, genuine love. We don't turn them away because we're different. We don't turn them away because we don't agree. We don't reject them because they're always getting on our nerves or annoying us. Here's the deal. Here's what God calls us to do. By grace, we relate to those who try our patience with love. That's what we're talking about, bearing with one another. Well, how can we do this? Well, first of all, Paul tells us some attitudes that are absolutely necessary. We, first of all, we clothe ourselves with humility. You know, I used to be conceited, but now I have no faults at all. I've decided. But, um, No, humility. What is humility? Paul says, with all humility. Now, isn't that an interesting call there? With all humility. Now, who has all humility? Nobody. What does it mean, with all humility? Here's what it means. It means humility at all times. At all times. See, it's easy to humble ourselves when we're sitting in that chair talking to that bank officer, that loan officer at the bank, and we're trying to refinance our house or get a second mortgage, and we we can be nice, and we can be humble. It's easy when we come before that professor and trying to get an extension on an exam, or we missed a class, and we need some help there. It's easy to be humble when we're in that position. With all humility means that I humble myself before the bank officer. I humble myself before the, uh, the guy, not only at the bank, but the professor. But also I humble myself before the guy who picks up my garbage. When I run into him, I treat him with the same respect and honor that I do that professor. The lady who serves me my happy meal at McDonald's. I give her the same respect and treatment that I do to the bank officer. That's what all humility means. And what does humility mean? Philippians chapter two, Paul tells us in chapter two, when he talks about humility, he uses Christ as an ultimate example, obviously, but he says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. To me, humility is very simple. It's when we consider other people as more important than ourselves. The bank officer, the guy picking up our trash, the professor, or the lady serving our happy meal. We treat them with the same respect. We treat them with the same dignity. Why? Because this week of all weeks, we know that all lives matter. All of us are created with honor and dignity in the image of God. And if we're going to Bear with one another. We've got to see the personal value and dignity of that person that we disagree with, with that person that we're having a hard time getting along with. They are a person of great value. And we, by grace, esteem them to be more important than ourselves. 
When we humble ourselves, we, some people, you know, there's always somebody who says, well, how humble do we go? How, how low do we go? But Jesus answered that question, didn't he? How low do we go? Christ humbled himself completely. He emptied himself, being fashioned as a man. He came as a, not just a man, but as a bond servant. And not only did he die, but he died on a cross. That's the ultimate in humility. That's how low we go. We empty ourselves of ourselves. Humility, someone said, is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. We learn to think of others as more important than ourselves. We clothe ourselves with humility. We relate to others in a spirit of gentleness. That's what Paul says here, in a spirit of gentleness. We talked about this some last week as we're restoring someone who has fallen, as we bear, bear one another's burdens, we come alongside in a spirit of gentleness. But it means meekness. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, for they shall what? Inherit the earth. What? The meek are going to be ruling. Blessed are the gentle. Because see, here's the deal about meekness or gentleness. Gentleness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. One of the first pets I had was a pony named Little Lady. And if you've ever been around any horses, you know, they can be kind of ornery sometimes. But for a horse to be ridden, you first have to break that horse or you meek that horse. And that horse is strength under control. You put that bridle in the mouth and you can take them wherever you want them to go. And that's what meekness is talking about here. For us to have a, to realize that, hey, we could put that person in their place. We could, we could use words of anger and sharp pointed words and we could put that person in their place and probably have a right to do that. Maybe even physically, we're bigger, stronger, and we could use physical restraint if necessary and put that person in their place. But gentleness is choosing to have strength under control and using your position as a position of good and edification and encouragement. Gentleness, strength under control. We bear with one another in a spirit of gentleness rather than criticism and fault finding. Instead of putting them in their place, gentleness allows us to maintain control of ourselves first and then be able to influence others in an appropriate way. Proverbs tells us there's true power in gentleness. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who captures a city. I love the verse, the proverb, like a city that's broken into and without walls. So is a man who has no control over his spirit. You know, that's dangerous. It's, da- it's a dangerous person that has no control over their spirit. But yet those who exercise gentleness, those who can come alongside and encourage and build up, there's power in that relationship. There's power there. So we relate to others in a spirit of gentleness. We demonstrate patience in our dealings with others. <laughs> patience. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Seldom found in women. Never found in man. <laughs> I'm speaking of my own kind. Patience is not something. But this is th- that whole concept of long suffering. Long suffering. 
patience or long-suffering is the attitude we demonstrate when we're bearing with someone who's hard to bear. When we're trying our best to get along, we're trying our best not to lose it. (laughs) We're bearing with them in patience. We patiently endure their annoying behavior and their consistent failures. One of the best examples I could come up with, I thought of Kevin and Julie Woosley, because I know they have several dogs. But if you ever had dogs, you ever notice they got a big old dog and you got a little puppy there beside it? And that little puppy will be yapping at that dog, barking and biting, pull on his his paw, yapping at its ears, biting its tail. And what does that old big dog, older dog do? Just sits there. Man, most of the time. I mean, that, the big dog could just pow, knock him into tomorrow or bite his head off and crush him. But he sits there with patience and dignity, enduring that yapping little puppy. Now, you want to be a big dog? <laughs> pray. No, you know, we talk about it's, more, it's dangerous to pray for patience. But ask God to give you patience and long suffering with those in your life that cause you to be annoyed with those whom you differ in and bring out seemingly the worst in us. And we all have those people in our life. Where does gentleness come from? Where does patience come from? Well, they both come from the the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when we're walking in the spirit, We will be clothed with humility, with all humility. Those are the attitudes. You know, again, we need to be praying. We need to be in the word, asking God to develop these attitudes in our life. And seeing where we fall short. And by his grace, seeking, asking God to give us, to grow us in these areas. To grow us in these areas. So we're called to patiently bear with one another. Secondly, we're called to patiently bear with one another in love. Here's the kicker in it. Not just to have humility and patience and gentleness. I mean, that's hard enough. But when we're dealing with those who annoy us, those who cause us problems, God says, do it in love. Do it in love. Bearing with one another in love. This this is how Paul describes love in 1 Corinthians 13. Of course, there's a whole half a chapter there, but uh, the whole chapter. But 13.7 says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I believe that these attributes of love is exactly what Paul is talking about here when we bear with one another, okay? First of all, love bears all things. Love bears all things. You see that in your, your worship guide this morning, the little outline there. How do you do with bearing with others? You know, when you got married, I, I remember May the 24th, 1980, before God and way too many witnesses at Whitesburg Baptist Church, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, the death do us part. You know, this is what love does. Love bears through, love bears with one another through the good times and through the bad times. That's what it means to bear with one another. Love bears all things. 
It's the love that we have for husband and wife. It's the love that we have for the church. It's the love that we have for Christ that enables us to bear all things that come our way. Whatever comes, true love will see us through together. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Believes all things. To believe all things means that we choose not to give up on that person. Are there people in your life that you've already written them off? I mean, I know parents who have just kind of severed ties with children or children who severed ties with parents and they've just kind of written them off. But love believes all things. We choose not to give up on that person. We assure them with our words and our actions that we're confident that God is working in them and that God is working through them. Love believes all things, believes in that person, that God can use him, and we use our words and actions to encourage him that. Let me ask you, have you ever known what it was like to have someone believe in you when circumstances said otherwise? Have you, known, have you ever known what it was like for someone to demonstrate faith in you when the circumstances said otherwise? Maybe it was a praying grandmother. Maybe it was an encouraging uncle or brother that came alongside. I'll never forget my brother. My brother, Eric, four years older than me. He's a guy that's so laid back, it takes him an hour and a half to watch 60 Minutes. You know, he's this guy, just so easy going. But he told me one day, he said, he heard a tape. He said, man, you can really preach. You can really preach. That came from my older brother. You'll never know how much life that gave me. Think about people who need to know that you believe in them. I learned the power of this when I was in prison. For like eight years in Sylacauga, every year we'd go to prison. Some of you kind of, (gasps) we would do a Kairos weekend in prison at the FCI, the Federal Correctional Institute in Talladega, Alabama. And we would have six or seven guys, prisoners. They would be there for 10 years, 20 years, some of them for 30 years, all kinds of crime, most of them drug-related. But I found the power of believing in someone. All these guys who had it going, all these guys you could tell who were going to do something with themselves had somebody on the outside that believed in them, had somebody that was encouraging them, somebody that was speaking truth into their life. I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person who loves by believing in other people, encouraging them with our words. You know, if you've got children, hey, they need to hear it all the time. If you have children, particularly young children, they need to hear it all the time. I tell my boys now, you're my hero. I want to be just like you when I grow up. I believe in you. I believe in you. That's what love does. Love believes In all things, words of encouragement, love hopes all things. Believing in somebody's closely related or tied to hoping, offering hope to them. Are we offering hope to those around us? I was corresponding this week with a friend of mine, a guy that I know is struggling. And I just sent him Romans 15, 13. I think we've got that on the the screen. Love hopes all things. Look at that. Now may the God of hope I sent this to a guy who was having a tough time. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? 
Isn't that powerful? Love hopes all things. And this may be the greatest aspect of love that we can offer to a struggling brother or sister. We all need to offer hope. The world needs hope. Let me tell you what. This past week reflects to all of us believers how much the world needs hope. The world is looking for justice. The world is looking for unity and oneness. The world is looking for harmony. And it's not going to be found outside of Christ. We are the hope bearers to the world. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. But we offer hope to those who rejoice and those who weep in the name of Christ. We come alongside. We bear with them. We are not only bearing their burdens, but we are, we're not getting angry. We're not saying things. As Colby said, we, we're quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But we're offering hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, Paul says, love endures all things. Love endures even injustice. Love endures even injustice. And love responds with grace. Love responds with grace. There are many stories like this, but I I, I read one this week where there was a Chinese rice farmer. And every day he would spend hours flooding his rice field so that the water, the rice could grow, you know, in the the rice paddies there. And one day he came in and his, his fields were dry. And he noticed there was a breach. There was a hole in the dam next to his neighbor's field. And his neighbor had come in and cut a hole in the dam and all of his water ran to his neighbor's rice field. He's pretty miffed about that, but he fixed the dam. He flooded his field again. And the next day he came, same thing. Four days in a row, this Chinese rice farmer came to his fields and they were bone dry and his neighbors were flooded. So this guy's a Christian. So he went to his church And he asked another believer what he should do. Should he confront the neighbor? Should he talk to his neighbor? And this is what got me. The other Christian said to him, we have to do more than simply that which is just and right. We have to do more than that which is simply just and right. Those words stuck in his mind. And so what did he do? The next morning, he got up earlier than he normally did. And he went to his rice fields. And the first thing he did is he pumped water into his neighbor's field. He did that for a solid week. And throughout that time, his walls were never broken again. His neighbor was astonished. And you know, you can kind of fill in the gaps here. Man, what's wrong with you? (laughs) What's wrong with you? I'm a Christian. You know, I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord. And ourselves, your servants for Christ's sake. That's, what we, that's why we do what we do, for Christ's sake. And I'm not sure exactly what this Chinese farmer shared with him, but he shared the gospel and this guy gave his heart. Why? Because he didn't retaliate. It was not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was walking the second mile. We must do more than simply that which is just and right. To me, that is a beautiful, powerful picture of love endures all things. Love endures injustice. Love endures mistreatment. 
And church, there's a lot of injustice out there in it. How do we respond? Well, we do this. We're called to look to the one who patiently bears with us in love. The greatest injustice of all time was when Christ was executed as an innocent man. And here's, here's what Peter says. I love what Peter said in, in uh, 1 Peter. He said that we're to suffer as Christ has suffered for sin, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to he who judges righteously. See, that's how we endure injustice. That's how Christ bore with injustice. He kept entrusting himself to he who judges righteously. What's our answer to the injustice of the world? Yes, we agree. And we sympathize and we weep with those who weep. But let me tell you, there's a righteous judge. Let me tell you, the gospel that one day God is going to judge all men, not on the basis of their skin color, not on the basis of their bank account, but on their basis, on the basis of their relationship with Jesus Christ, whom he has sent to be the savior of the world. For the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the one we look to, the one who bore our sin in his body. And even on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's how we handle injustice. We entrust ourselves to the righteous father, the righteous judge. We forgive because we understand forgiveness heals, bitterness destroys. Let me say that again. Forgiveness heals, bitterness destroys. In church, we've had way too much bitterness. We look to the one who patiently bears with us. Aren't you glad that the Lord is patient? I know I am. He is the one we look to when we struggle. He will never turn his back on us or reject us. We are called to patiently bear with one another in love. And you say, with well, the bars raised high, how can we do that? Only as God's love is poured out in your life. God loves in us and loves through us. That's how we love one another, the way Christ loved us. Father, thank you for the command to bear with one another.